So now at uh, nearly 7.42, we can continue the ASEAN ROK Commemorative Summit analysis um, as uh, the summit itself concluded successfully yesterday with South Korea and the group of Southeast Asian nations agreeing to upgrade their bilateral strategic partnerships on regional and global issues. Um, As we heard, there'll be continued events today with South Korea pushing further closer ties with individual Mekong countries. But the 11 nations overall promise to strengthen ties to overcome challenges like protectionism, transnational crimes, and to tackle the fourth industrial revolution together. Let's welcome on the line Professor Kim Hyung-jong of East Asia International College at Yonsei University, Midday Campus. Good morning to you. Good morning. Can you uh, elaborate on something you mentioned in a column that South Korea's defence cooperation with ASEAN nations could actually put the region at risk by setting up an arms race? Well, the, recently, the many the ASEAN countries are putting more focus on the modernization of the warfare, but not only for the counterinsurgencies and domestic stability, but also external defense to deal with the possible conflict in the regions. Domestic factors that matter here, so Thailand remarkably boosted its defense spending since the military coup in 2006 and 2014. And Myanmar also did so. The Philippines claimed to counter extreme militant, militant groups, while Indonesia and Malaysia are not exception from this, the trends in arms spending. This trend could cause a mutual distrust about the intention and the power ambitions of the neighboring state. If these trends in defense spending continue, I think the Korea's defense cooperation, mainly focusing on the arms trade only, then could bring a negative impact on the kind of the arms race in this region. Well, U.S. President Donald Trump has also been pushing for his Indo-Pacific strategy. Can you explain to us what that is and how that could also impact President Moon's new southern policy? Well, the Indo-Pacific strategy claimed to be a grand regional initiative in close cooperation with Japan, Australia, and India. But however, it's an open secret that one of the U.S. major concerns is countering China. Meanwhile, the China also initiated regional-wide cooperative projects such as One Belt, One Road, and Asian infrastructure investment banks, and so on. However, the rivalry between China and U.S. could undermine the regional cooperation in East Asia, which has uh, been evolved based on the ASEAN centrality. To mitigate the negative impact from the Indo-Pacific strategy, ASEAN recently revealed the ASEAN outlook on free trade and the free and open Indo-Pacific, which highlighted inclusiveness and ASEAN centrality. I think in this sense, uh, the Moon's government hinted the possible collaboration between the new southern policies and Indo-Pacific strategy. But however, given the very nature of the Indo-Pacific strategy and ASEAN's concern, there's some possibility of the misguiding ASEAN perception on our intention. So what stance should South Korea take to effectively handle economic and strategic cooperation with ASEAN countries? Right. We are currently witnessing the emergency of the protectionism, such as U.S. unilateral actions, bilateral dispute between U.S. and China, and multilateral stalemate at the WTO. ASEAN should be considered as an alternative economic partner to EG over dependency on the China's and U.S. Economy of scale remains a merit of the ASEAN as it has become the single production base and the market. And in this sense, Korea having trade disputes with Japan can collaborate with the ASEAN to promote open regionalism against a kind of the protectionism. Regarding current international trade disputes around the world, though, 
Um, can we just assess a little further the benefits that South Korea can get by strengthening ties with ASEAN nations? Right. I mean, the, the stalemate of the WTO the negotiation and the rise of the protectionism certainly uh, give us some kind of great challenge uh, in the, doing the free trade. So ASEAN has continuously supported free trade as it has led the RCEP negotiation, which recently nearly concluded. So I think there's the, the many chance to collaborate with ASEAN in promoting the free trade. Well, President Moon called for South Korean ASEAN countries to strengthen ties to become a community that cooperates for peace and prosperity for everyone, which sounds very nice. What role can ASEAN play in actually helping to encourage peace with North Korea? It's, it's something that uh, a lot of the newspapers this morning have been focusing on with their, with their headlines. Right. Actually, the last year, the president the, uh, of the Indonesia the, invited the Chairman Kim Jong-un for this special summit. The idea of the, having Chairman Kim Jong-un was warmly welcomed by the other leaders, other leaders of the ASEAN and Korea. But unfortunately, the Chairman Kim Jong-un was not able to come for this summit. But still, the ASEAN increasingly appeared to be an honest facilitator for the Korean Peninsula peace process. I mean, we may take some lessons from the ASEAN's experience of the mutual confidence building, and ASEAN also established a nuclear weapon prison in 1995. In fact, two Korea also continue as a member of the ASEAN Regional Forum under the ASEAN's chairmanships. In, in addition, ASEAN also perceived by the North Korea as a reliable counterpart, as it wanted to be at the ASEAN's dialogue partners. In this sense, ASEAN could be and could provide the room for the two Koreas for the dialogues and interaction in the process of the Korean peace process. Well, thank you uh, very much for joining us, first of all, today, Professor Kim Hyung-jong from Yonsei University. Thank you for having me. We are seeing a lot of optimism, a lot of hope, but also um, a little reality on what we can expect from the uh, ASEAN relationship. We also have Dr. John Gong, a professor of economics at the University of International Business and Economics in Beijing, to tell us about China's perspective on all this that's going on. Good morning to you. Good morning. So with President Trump coming up with his Indo-Pacific strategy that we just referred to, what do you make of the ASEAN role in, in kind of counterbalancing U.S. protectionism that China's obviously felt the brunt of as well? Well, um, ASEAN has its own perspective on this issue. I think uh, ASEAN, led mostly, I think, by um, Singapore and Malaysia, tend to take the position that um, they, they don't want to uh, pick sides. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, these countries are indeed the victims of this trade war between the United States and China. Uh, Singapore, particularly, uh, suffering a lot uh, in terms of the lost trade. Uh, and, and, and they don't see this as being constructed through a local economy. Uh, so I think, um, from their perspective, they would like to have a um, going back to the status quo, I mean, the previous status quo that the, uh, before the trade war. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, um, so, as a, so in this sense, uh, it doesn't view that United States um, uh, uh, fundamental foreign policy change uh, in terms of uh, treating China as a major competitor being constructive to the local economy. So I think uh, they would like to uh, see United States and China be engaging uh, in further talks and at least 
to have the uh, the trade war uh, to call for a truce. Uh, and I think they are hopeful that the first phase of the trade negotiations between the two countries will reach some kind of agreement very soon. We sometimes hear of the ASEAN countries as together acting as some sort of superpower to counterbalance not just the US, but also China, uh, Russia, Japan, and that it can be very helpful for a country like South Korea to be very close to not just one ASEAN nation, but all of them together. What's your view on the geopolitical importance that ASEAN has in combination? Oh, you're absolutely right. I think uh, on one side, uh, ASEAN would like to have a, a you know, close economic relationship with the, uh, the you know, the three uh, Northeast Asian powers, but also it welcomes the United States, uh, especially, I think, from Singapore's perspective, to be present in this region uh, to essentially counterbalance the uh, geopolitical power from a growing China, I guess. Uh, so, you know, it, it basically wants best of the both world. Um, and, and it's actually, I think it's possible to maintain the best of both worlds. Um, ASEAN is, I think, uh, as the economic, the combined economic power of ASEAN countries getting stronger and stronger, I think, you know, they also want to have a sort of a more of an independence, say, uh, from a, a geopolitical perspective. Um, and and, and uh, I, I think there's a lot of economic growth in this area, and the, uh, the global economic epicenter is also shifting to Asia. Uh, it has a huge population. If you, you know, combine the populations of these ASEAN countries, Indonesia, Malaysia, um, Philippines, you know, and then also they are seeing robust growth. So, uh, not surprisingly, the the joint um, uh, political say of these countries tend to grow either, tend to grow as well. Yeah, let's talk a little bit from your perspective on any advice you might have, uh, if if you may offer for South Korea on how this country might choose its position, uh, balancing the relationships. I, I'm sure you're aware of how challenging things have been with Japan at the moment. You'll no doubt be aware of some of the challenges Seoul has had with China in the past. But mm-hmm. it, it seems naive to uh, to expect the ASEAN relationship to entirely make up for uh, for the loss of whatever there's been with Japan and China. Um, well, I think in, in, you know, in that regard, ASEAN countries play a very limited role. I mean, the the, the relationship between uh, South Korea and Japan is mostly bilateral in nature, um, and, and as well uh, between China and South Korea, it's a little bit more complicated. You know, involving uh, the issue of uh, North Korea. Um, so, so in that sense, uh, I think uh, ASEAN countries. Uh, you know, they they don't play a very much of a larger role. I think the United States can play a much larger role in terms of uh, cementing the relationship between Japan and South Korea. Um, so, um, uh, but 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 I think um, uh, I don't see much of a issue as South Korea and uh, ASEAN countries improve their economic relations uh, as uh, you know the the ASEP. Uh, negotiation develops. Uh, I think uh, you know both countries, uh, both sides, are being strong allies for the United States, especially you know Singapore and South Korea, and also major trading partners of the United States as well. Yeah. So speaking of RCEP or the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, which we know China had strongly pushed to be signed, and against the backdrop of the U.S.-China trade war, mm-hmm. how how would Beijing have been viewing? 
this summit in in Busan with with South Korea welcoming these these powers? Would, would overall Beijing have been welcoming the opportunity to see those RCEP partners coming closer together? I think um, I, the other countries, barring probably in a way we know India, uh, would like to have RCEP signed. Um, and I think particularly South Korea. Remember, South Korea is not a member of uh, TPP, or, or now it's called CPTPP. <clears throat> um, and so definitely uh, South Korea would like to be part of a, a larger trading bloc in the Indo-Pacific region. Um, and, and certainly from China's perspective as well, uh, <clears throat> China uh, definitely sees the danger, the risk of uh, uh the United States and China got into a bifurcated world and uh, having this uh, large trading uh, pact signed, um, it, um, it mitigates that risk in the sense that, uh, you know, the, the signing countries represent a huge part of the world economy and they are active traders of the U.S.-centric trading bloc as well. So uh, uh, both countries, South Korea, Beijing, and Seoul would like to have RCEP signed. Uh, and the only Standing with family block right now is, is really India, and I think the rest of the <coughs> excuse me, the rest of the Arab countries would be willing to go ahead and, and, and sign this even without India. Finally, I'm just curious your thoughts on on the United States. Uh, it, I know ASEAN's stance on the U.S. project uh, is is complicated, and is everything also just complicated by the uncertainty surrounding the U.S. political situation? In other words, the U.S. under Trump seems to be a very different proposition trade-wise than than the U.S. before Trump and possibly after Trump. Uh, I think the most defining uh, change uh, with respect to the U.S. trade policy is that uh, I think Trump's entirely abandoning the uh, multilateralism. Uh, he is essentially trying to stitch up a network of bilateral trade agreements uh, you know, we are seeing uh, USMCA. USMCA, in my view, is essentially um, a, a pack of two bilateral trade agreements, U.S.-Canada and U.S.-Mexico. And he's still going to push that angle. And he's going to do this uh, with respect to Japan. I think uh, it's probably going to be signed not far away between Japan and and, and the United States. Uh, he's going to do this with uh, South Korea, she's going to do this with uh, UK, mm. uh, Australia. Uh, so, in, in other words, he said, I think the Trump administration is essentially bent on um, signing bilateral trade agreements. Uh, Rather than the, the multilateralism. Dr. Gong, we, we do have to leave it there, but yeah. it's really useful to hear your thoughts on that too. Uh, and thank you for taking the time. Thanks. Dr. John Gong there from University of International Business and Economics, Beijing.